0: Uh, let's open in prayer before we get into this psalm. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to come back and sit at your feet, Lord, and to study this wonderful psalm that David wrote, praising you for your provision, Lord, for your protection. And so we just ask you speak to each one of us individually, Lord. Uh, meet us where we're at, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 27, it's believed by most that this was written in response to a situation that happened. You can find it in 2 Samuel, chapter 21, where David is out with um, his army, and they're fighting Philistines. And as you know, many of the Philistines were quite large, and in fact... Um, you know, David had to kill one of the Philistine giants, you know, Goliath. He was one of those. We don't know exactly why they were so big, but they must have been huge. And um, so he had been fighting hand-to-hand combat with this Philistine, and he was getting tired. And uh, he was, the, the giant was ready to strike him and kill him. And uh, thankfully, one of his soldiers came in and rescued him. And after that, this, his men said, oh, you can't fight in the battles what if we lost you you know the light of Israel be snuffed out and this is his response he says um, the Lord is my light and my salvation so why should I be afraid the Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger so why should I tremble so this is what he's telling his guys, you know, you don't have to worry, God will protect me. You know, it's basically he understood that, yeah, you know, if, it, if my time's up, my time's up. But I need to do what the Lord is calling me to do, and he will protect me as, as long as he uh, feels the need. And so um, first he said that the Lord is his light. Light is, is used to illuminate so that you can see where you're going. Um, if you can't see where you're going, you can trip and fall. I have a chocolate lab, and I also have dark burgundy carpet. And sometimes at night, I don't know why she does this, she likes to sleep at the top of the stairs. And so sometimes if I don't turn the light on, I could trip right over her and tumble right down the stairs. I mean, both Jeff and I have almost done this on numerous occasions because you can't see her. So oftentimes, you know, I put on these bright colored bandanas around her neck just so I can see her because... In the dark, you cannot see her at all. And then she turns around and she looks at me like, oh, what would you do that for? You know, and I'm sprawled out somewhere because I can't, you know. And she's like, what? You know, I go, you stupid dog. What are you doing here in the middle? You know, so if I was to turn the light on, it would be illuminated. I'd be able to see her. It's the same way. As long as we have God's light our path is illuminated we can see where we're going we won't trip and fall you know but if we don't have access if we don't utilize that light um we could be be in trouble jesus said i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life so the key here is follow jesus that is how you walk into the light um, it's it's a, having a prayer life. It's having a repenting life. It's acknowledging your sin when you sin and, and repenting of it. That's how you keep God's communion with you. Um, and you have to obey him when you hear that still small voice, you know, obey him. You know, sometimes it's very, very quiet. That's how you know it's not, you know, the enemy telling you to do something. Because I always kind of think of Jesus as, he's such a gentleman. He's just like, no, you don't really want to do that. You know, that's not the right path to go. You need to kind of... Veer off the other direction. You know, it's a very soft, quiet voice. That's that's Jesus, Whereas Satan comes in with a bullhorn. All is lost. All is lost. Don't do that, you know. And, you know, and you get all riled up, and you're thinking, I've got to do something, you know, and you just do whatever you think is right. Well, listen for the calm, quiet voice. That's the Lord's voice. He will guide you. He is that light. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I do that. So um, then David went on to say that the Lord is his fortress. It's probably where we got that that phrase, hedge of protection. Oftentimes we do pray that. But, you know, I have to crack up because there was a, what is that comedian's name? You gave me his, Tim Hawkins. He has this wonderful skit. He goes, why do we use hedge of protection? Do you think Satan's going to walk up and go, ah, greenery, I can't get past that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's got a chainsaw. So he's taught, so what what David says Jesus is my fortress. When you think of fortress, what is it? You know, I think of a castle, you know, with a big tall wall that can't you know made out of rock that can't be you know you'd have to dynamite in order to get through you know and there's a moat with alligators that's what I think of when I you know okay he is your fortress he's a you know he's a big brick wall with a moat around it and alligators so um (laughs) but you know if you had a fortress protecting you that's a big deal that is a big deal. He is able to protect you. A lot of times, back in those days, a fortress was impenetrable. You know, if you had enough food inside the castle walls, I mean, you could withstand a an army surging for for sometimes months and months. You know, so, you know, look to him as your fortress because he will put that, you know, that protection around you. And that is what was protecting David. That's why he didn't fear going into battle. And then he goes on in verse and Psalm number two he says, "When evil people come to devour me i 'm reading out of the New Living translation by the way. I love the way this one uh, phrased it. It says, "When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Of course, um, we don 't generally have actual, you know people actually threatening to kill us here in America, although I was just reading an article. Or not reading, I was watching a show um, regarding North Korea. Did you know that there are Christians right now? They say up to 10,000 Christians are now in the North Korean gulags. Okay, they are supposed to be known as the worst prisons ever. So there are, there are places. In our world where Christians are being treated like this, and so they probably take great comfort in the Psalms. You know, I wish we could get them a book of Psalms, but I'm sure that they're not allowed, because obviously that's why they're there. But, um, you know, North Korea is still communist, and they're pretty wretched there. But um, we do have our own people that attack us, you know, in today's society, you know, and I kind of feel like, you know, we have nothing to complain about. We need, in light of what goes on in Korea regarding Christians and even China sometimes, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, uh, you know, we're just a bunch of babies here, you know. But, um, you know, we do have our own difficulties in this life, I mean, oftentimes we lose jobs. I've lost a job because of my faith. I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, but, you know, I lost it. And, um, you know, there's there's people who mock us. I mean, we see open mocking, you know, on MSNBC News. I mean, whenever they interview a Christian, have you ever noticed what they get? The most, the biggest i hate to use this phrase but it's like the biggest idiot christian there is you know it's somebody out there that you know they don't express my views as a christian they just have the label you know of a christian and they're so out there i'm going god is you know lord why would you let them be such a you know they're such a bad representation of my faith you know but um you know of course god has it in his plans you know he's he's working everything out, but uh, that's what we get, you know, that's the way people look at us, we're just a bunch of radicals, um, nowadays the newest thing is they're calling us that we're all full of hate, you know, Christians are all about hate, because, you know, we don't agree with a homosexual lifestyle, or we don't agree with abortion, or we don't agree with this, you know, because our Bible doesn't agree, but they're saying we're full of hate, and it's like, you know what, the most hateful things I've had spoken to me and to Jeff, have been non-Christians. You know, it's crazy. But, of course, you know, that's the way the enemy works. You know, he makes, you know, what's supposed to be right, wrong, and wrong is right. You know, that's what the enemy does. He switches things around. So we do have our own trials and our own tribulations here, you know, although they're different. We're not being, our lives aren't being threatened. Our children aren't being taken from us. You know, we do have those difficulties, and I don't want to minimalize those, you know. Um, we also, of course, have you know health issues and you know all these kind of things that can um, wear us down, and so we can really take comfort in what uh, David is saying here. Uh, and then he goes on in verse three, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid, even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Confidence in the Lord is key. We don't have to have confidence in ourselves. That is something these days that is just, you know, oh, just have confidence in yourself and you can do anything. You know, we hear that, you know, on television all the time. Well we need to have confidence in the Lord because truthfully we can't do everything. You know, especially not in our own strength, but we can have confidence in the Lord because through him all things are possible, right? So Second Corinthians three four says, We are confident of all this, because our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new co- covenant. So that conf- confidence must be in what God can do through us. You know, often here Jeff says, you know, we weren't a real bargain when Jesus got us. You know, when God got us, we're not, we're not really good bargains, but he says, I want to use you. And sometimes um, it's the weak people that God loves to use, the, the timid people that God loves to use, the broken people that God loves to use, because then his glory is shown through us. If you have somebody say, I'm just going to say like Mitt Romney, okay, that guy can get up in front of, the whole world and speak eloquently and forcefully, you know. Our President Obama can also do that. You know, they can do anything like that. But, you know what? They would be difficult to use as a voice piece of the Lord. And the reason why is because they would do it on their own strength. They'll go, you know what? I got this, God, you know. I'm pretty good, you know, with speaking, in case you haven't noticed, you know, I got got this. And so oftentimes we don't, those guys would have a tough time relying on the Lord to use them. Whereas if you take somebody who's timid, if you take somebody who's extremely shy, somebody who's extremely quiet, and then they can get in front of a group and speak, you know, wow, I know that person, and they are like way timid. I'm amazed that they can get in front of a group and speak. Then you give the glory to God, not to them, because you see, wow, you know, that is so neat. And it gives you hope. Wow, can, Lord, can the Lord use me like that? Of course he can. He loves to use you. As long as you're willing to just be that tool. Right? We are just, you know, nowadays, you know, I hear this, this phrase Oh, he's such a tool. You know, I don't really quite get that. I'm going. What do you mean? I like being a tool. Okay, you know, <laughs> I want to be a tool. Yeah, I want to be a sharp tool. And so, um, I think it's a derogatory term. You know, when they when they say that, you know, but um, we must have confidence in the Lord. He's the one that can do anything through us. We can't do it ourselves. And this is something that David grasps. You know, he's the king. Of of Israel, and he knew that his confidence had to be in the Lord. I mean, what a wonderful testament, you know. And that's a prayer of mine, you know, for our president, that he would realize that even though he's the president, you know, he sh- he should be able to, or he should rely on the God of uh, of the universe, and and let the Lord work through him. Uh, Hebrews six eight says, God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, he who, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. I love that. He is our anchor. Um, years ago, Jeff and I had a, had a sailboat, and if you don't anchor to something solid, if you don't find a rock to anchor to, what happens? You just drift wherever the current takes you. We need to be anchored to the Lord. We need to be steadfast. We don't want to be drifting out there, so make sure you are anchored tight. Don't let go. Um, I know you probably are missing my story. Well, I wanted to slip it in here. So um, I think I told this story a couple of years ago, but it fits so perfect with this. You know, having confidence that God will never let go of you. And it was a story of a boy. It was a hot summer day in Florida, and a little boy uh, decided to go for a swim in an old swimming hole behind his house. And he flew into the water, not realizing, as he swam toward the middle of the lake, an alligator was swimming towards him. So scary. So scary. His father, working in the yard, saw what was happening, and in utter fear, he ran towards the water, yelling to his son. The little boy became alarmed and made a U-turn to swim to his father. It was too late. From the dock, the father grabbed the little boy by his arms just as the alligator snatched his legs. That began an incredible tug-of-war between the two. The alligator was much stronger than the father, but the father would not let go. A farmer happened to drive by, heard the screams, raced from his truck, took aim, and shot the alligator. Remarkably, after weeks in the hospital, the little boy survived. His legs were extremely scarred by the vicious attack, and on his arms were deep scratches where his father's fingernails dug into the flesh in effort to hang on so tight. A newspaper reporter who interviewed the boy after the trauma asked if he would show him the scars. The little boy lifted his pant legs and then with obvious pride said, but look at my arms. He says, I have great scars on my arms too because my dad would not let go. Isn't that wonderful? That is what our Heavenly Father is. He will not let go. He hangs on so tight that even if he's having to wrestle alligators, he won't let go. And so that is his heart towards you. Just remember that. He will protect you. And then verse number four, one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. So the secret to David and our, our confidence is in the closeness of our relationship with the Lord, and that is so key. This doesn't mean that you have to be in, the ch- in church twenty four seven. I mean, we can't, we can't do that. Um, but it does mean that our relationship with the Lord should be something that is a continuous basis. Um, it's. I kind of liken it. Um, years ago, um, I had another chocolate lab, and. Ruthie remembers Kona. And, you know, all my dogs' names and cats have Hawaiian names, so you'll get used to it anyway. um, Her name was Kona. Kona went with me everywhere. Everywhere. I would come to church, she was with me. Go to the bank, she was with me. Everywhere I went. You know, unless I was running down the hill or something like that. We took her on vacation. We took her backpacking. We took her everywhere. And when she got sick and died, it was like, I felt like, oh, my goodness, where is she? You know, I can't for... Probably months afterwards, I would always, you know, where's Kona? Oh yeah, you know, and it's hard, you know, sorry Ruthie, but, (laughs) but yeah, but you can relate. See, that's how your relationship with the Lord should be. That if he's not there, you're going, where is he? Where's the Lord? And then it'll go, oh yeah, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord, I, I sinned and, and I, you know. Sorry, but she's got boo now. She's got boo. But, um, but you see, it's the same thing. When our relationship with the Lord is broken, we should miss him, just like you miss that cherished pet that you're used to having around you. And so um, we need to, when we start be missing his presence in our lives, it's not him who has wandered off. It's you who has wandered off. And so you go, okay, what have I done now? Lord, please reveal to me what I've done to break this fellowship, to break this bond. Um, I don't have confidence. I'm afraid. You know, the world is closing in on me. It's because you don't have, you know, you've kind of stepped outside of God's fortress, so to speak. You've gone outside the castle walls. So you need to get back into your castle where it's safe. And so you need to... um, Find out, okay, what has broken that bond of fellowship with my Heavenly Father? And it's always sin. It always is. It could be something little, it could be something big, but only you know that. It's between you and God. So remember that our confidence, our trust. Um, But trusting in God will make those things work together. Um, Even though we're going through really difficult times, our happy place, you've ever heard that term, you know, oh, I need to find my happy place. You know, when you're going through difficult times, you go to your happy place, and your happy place could be like the beach or something like that. Well, you know, for the Christian, our happy place is in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? It's not the beach because you know that, you know, a tidal wave could come in and wipe you off, okay? So it's like you know, that can't be your happy place. Your happy place has to be. But what does that look like? What is that happy place, you know? When you when you're in it, what do you feel? Well, number one is trust. Trusting that God will make all things work together for good for those who love and are called according to his purpose, right? trusting in him so when you're going through those storms when you have enemies surrounding you and you're going through difficult times just remind yourself over and over and over you know that all things work together for good because i love him and i'm called according to his purpose and then of course pray prayer you know we're not supposed to be anxious for anything but in everything in supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god that's so important. Pray about it. Sometimes we just go off half-cocked and do what we think we should be doing. We're just, you know, the whole, all is lost, all is lost, you know. And, and we're not praying about it. Isn't that funny how that's the last thing oftentimes we do is pray, you know. Oh, I forgot to pray. You know, I was supposed to pray first. Um, and then that peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So remember that. That's your happy place. Trust prayer, peace, happy place. Then he goes on, Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. So, David is not being proud in himself here and holding his head high, but acknowledging God's greatness. Kind of what I was saying before. It's that knowledge of knowing that God is working through you. You can give praise to God you know, when somebody um, acknowledges a gift that you have, just say, you know, it was, I love being God's tool. You know, I love being his instrument. You know, I love to be used for his purposes. And, you know, tell others of his greatness. You know, never be ashamed or timid that the Lord is using you. You know, it's exciting. It's fun. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So when somebody says, wow, you are so gifted, you know, like if you are a really um, good singer or something like that, and somebody says, wow, your music is beautiful, just, you know, be quick to praise him. It's kind of awkward, but be quick to say, you know what, It's, it's the Lord doing it through me. That's not being prideful. That's acknowledging that God is using you in a wonderful way. And then verse 7, he says, Hear me, I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. Um, The New King James Version says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry. Okay, that shows an earnest in his prayer. God wants you to be earnest in your prayers. Oftentimes, um, we see this on TV where somebody, they're, they're reciting the Lord's Prayer. And it's just repetition, you know. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come. will be thy no, no, no. Okay, I'm done. You know, and that's my prayer life. Okay, that's not what God wants, is it? He wants an earnest cry to him. Even though this is a wonderful prayer, don't get me wrong. But he wants something from your heart. He wants to hear that cry of your heart. Um, on Sunday, Jeff was talking about a prayer language, you know, that you don't even know what you're saying. You're just so distraught, you're just pouring your heart out to the Lord. And, you know, it could just be something and a sob or a moan you guys know what i'm talking about here when you just come to the end of yourself that is where you know david that that was his prayer life you know him of all people understood how worthless he truly was i mean remember he got busted for a lot of bad things that he had done you know and he was probably a pretty pretty humiliated guy you know so he knew his his strength his trust came from the lord that was very important he says my heart was has heard you say Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But isn't that wonderful the way he says it? That is what truly God wants from us. He wants communion with us. Nothing more. He wants to be, you know, like your BFF, you know. I don't text, but I'm here. That's what it says, best friends forever, you know. So (laughs) he does. He wants to be that person you go to first, in all situations, you know, I was uh, talking a couple of years ago that whenever I do, whenever I'm shopping, I have learned because, I, you know, I was like this big one for buyer's remorse, you know. I'd buy something and go, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. That's stupid, you know. And then you'd either take it back or you stick it in your closet, you know, and there it sits until you give it to the thrift store. You know, anybody else ever do that? So um, I have now learned that when I'm shopping, you know, I haven't gotten to the place where I, I pray about my, groceries but you know maybe i should you know i could save money there too but you know when i'm shopping for items you know lord do i really need this and there are times you know where he says yeah he says i want to bless you you can buy that there's no problem in buying that you know it's perfect you know so you know and he's like that he wants to have that relationship. You know, we think that he's just this guy in this big throne room sitting on, you know, and he, he never really is concerned about the little things in your life. Well, he is because he is your best friend, your best confidant. And so he he is concerned about even the minute Things. If you would talk to your best friend, you know, whether it's your husband or if you have a, a girlfriend, if you would talk to her, how much more should we be talking to our Heavenly Father? Because, you know what, he will always get the perfect advice, you know? Your best friend, she says, oh, you know what, those jeans look great on, you need to buy them, you know, where? right, right, you know? Whereas, God might say, you know what, you got a pair, just like them at home, yeah. you know? Exactly. So, you know, and I also, also, whenever I even cut my hair, you know, of course, you know, I've got Carmen. But, um, (laughs) you know, when I first wanted to go to this new style, you know, with the the short in the back and the long in the front, you know, it was completely different than what I was used to. And so, you know, it's like, Lord, will I be happy with this? You know, if I'm going to be happy with this, give me peace about it. And, you know, and and use Carmen, scissors, you know, miraculously, and he does, you know, it's a real gift that Carmen has, and, and he wants to be that for you, he wants to be that best friend, that confident. He says, then David goes on and says, do not turn your back on me, do not reject your servant in anger, you have always been my helper, don't leave me now, don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. See, David here acknowledges that he deserves nothing from God. And, you know, when you have blown it as many times as David, it's got a wear on you. And when we are in the midst of a, a sin that we will not repent of, don't you feel like this? Oh, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry. Don't strike me with lightning. You know, you know, I, I do feel that sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I blew it again. Lord, why do I keep doing this? Please, you know, don't turn your back on me. I'm so sorry. You know, not that he ever would, but that's, he's expressing his feelings here. That's what we need to understand. This is what David is feeling towards his God. He says, God, I deserve for you to turn your back on me. Excuse me. And so um, he's just acknowledging what a wretched man he is. And uh, he just says, God, you know, I'm so sorry. Please restore our relationship. And then he goes on in verse 10. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Of course, David's parents didn't abandon him. But he's talking about, you know, what people, mortal people. If we put our, our hope and our faith in a person here, a mortal person other than the Lord, we'll be nothing but disappointed because people don't live forever. You know, our parents will not live forever, you know. Our husbands will not live forever. There will be a time when we will be left alone. That's why we have to look only to God. I mean, not that you, you know, you, you will still continue to love people down here, you know, on earth, and you will cherish them. But he says, God will hold me close. He will be my comfort no matter what. Even if everybody else abandons me, God will be my comfort. He will, he will keep me close. And then he says, teach me how to live, O God. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Teach me how to live. Don't you love that? I need to be taught how to live. Because, you know, I'm constantly blowing it. You know, he's always, God's trying to guide me. But He can. he's such a gentleman, he will never force you. He just gently guides you. you remember what I said before, it's that, still quiet voice that 's what he wants you to be tuned in to to listen to, and so David here is actually asking for wisdom uh, what to do in diff- difficult situations um, in this case, he had people that were slandering him uh, and he wants to be he wants to be right in his reaction. Uh, how many times when we are uh, lied about if somebody gossips about you what is your reaction oftentimes we're hurt i mean that's kind of, for me that's the first um you know i'm hurt or you know i'm mad or you know we have all these reactions you know we need to pray that the lord gives us the right reaction um for years and i don't know how this ever this rumor ever came up, came up but there was a rumor around running springs that jeff and i lived in rim ranch in this fancy house And I'm going, what? What gave them that idea? You know? But it was the rumor. And I'm going, you know, that was, to me, that was kind of slanderous because we're supposed to live moderate in all things, you know? And I'm going, we live in a big house in Rim Ranch. No, I don't think so. And so um, our reaction, though, can't be lashing out at the people who started the rumor, can it? Because then you're kind of giving more proof that, you know, maybe you're not the godly person that, you know, everybody thought you were, you know. So we need to be careful when somebody says something bad about you. You know what? The truth always makes itself known, doesn't it? And if you let God be your protection, let him be your fortress, no matter what people say, you know what? The truth makes itself known, and so if you react in the way where, well, did you hear about her? Nee, 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 you know, what happens? People go, oh, okay. You know, but if you are a quiet and you you react in a godly manner and you don't lash out like they, you know, and you don't act like they do, this is a a, a, a lesson we teach our children. You know, well, he said it first. You know, well, does that make it right? You know, we say that as kids, but oftentimes we do that as adults, don't we? You know, if somebody says something bad about us, our response is to say something bad about them, too. So Dave is going, Lord, let me have your wisdom. Guide me. Do not let me do this. When people say bad things about me, let me respond in a godly manner. In fact, we should pray for them. If somebody gossips about you, we should be praying for them. You know, and not David's prayer where, you know, please break their teeth out of their mouth. You know, even though, you know, what, I've, I've had those thoughts, you know, but keep them to yourselves. God understands. Say, Lord, I want you to break his teeth out. But you know what? Um, I will I will do whatever you feel and help me to put on the godly countenance that you would have me put on. So just so that we don't misrepresent our Lord. Remember, we are ambassadors. We are representing our Lord in this life. And says in verse 12, Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. And so, again, he's talking about those false accusations. He's going, Lord, you know, they're talking about me. Look what they're saying. And I know for me it's like, you know, but what if people believe that, you know? Then um, poor Brandon had a situation down at the Bible college where um, this still happens. You know, even in a Bible college, they had a couple of students um, that were thrown out because they were caught smoking pot. And one of these kids happened to be in Brandon's dorm. Now, mind you, there's 12 kids in this dorm. Okay. And so um, they were known as the pot. The, the pot dorm, you know, where, you know, the, all the, you know. And there was a little bit of gossip going around and stuff like that. And Brandon was mortified. He goes, he says, you know, I don't want them thinking that about me. You know, he was even called into the dean's office. And, you know, he just flat says, Brandon, have you ever smoked pot? Or are you smoking pot? No? That's your answer before God? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, every kid in that poor room had that. But Brandon was like, oh, I don't want people thinking that I'm a pot smoker. You know, and it's like, you know, it's okay, Brandon. it's okay. You know, your countenance, your godly attitude will overrule any gossip. Yeah, it might filter around for a couple of weeks, but you know what? Everybody's going to know, you know. Let your countenance be godly so that they go, oh, no, there's no way he's a pot smoker, you know, even though there's a little bit of whispering going on. So, you know, let God be your champion, you know, let him protect you. Um, Run back into that fortress if you need to. Well, we should always be in the fortress, but um, (laughs) make sure you you stay in there, you know. (laughs) So it says, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. We always need to see the Lord's goodness and it is all around us all we have to do is look you know um some of us are half the glass is half empty or sometimes you know the glass is is half full I happen to be a glass is half full type of person so you know I love to see God's goodness in everything around me I mean looking out at you ladies I see that God's goodness you know just the growth that I've seen in each one of you is just amazing and it's such a blessing to me but we need to look for that um Especially during difficult times. Um, As a kid, I never understood that phrase, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. And I'm going, okay, this is ridiculous. I hear it all the time. What does it mean? And it's like, okay, can't see the forest for the trees. So, well, let's just say, I'm trying to, you know, go through my head. Okay, so trees can see. Okay, so the problem is... yeah really okay so but the so the problem is the trees you can't see the forest, in other words, a tree can't say, Oh you know, where's the forest, where's the forest? Well, of course, I'm in the forest, you know that's what the thing is. It's saying you know, a tree is saying, Where's the forest, and then it reminded me of this silly cartoon i read I read years ago, and um Farside, you remember? Oh, he was great, loved Side. I mean, I would have books and I would go through, I think I got every book. That they had. And um, anyway, this particular one, and it shows two fleas walking through a forest of hair, right? And and the one flea says to the other, you know, sometimes I wonder if there truly is a dog. (laughs) And so I'm going, wow, isn't that perfect? So you have two fleas walking through the forest of dog hair. And they're going, I wonder if there really is a dog. You know, and I'm going, isn't that just us? We are walking among God's creation going, I wonder if there really is a God. You know, we're going, really? You know, how dense can we be? But we are. And we always have those laps of, you know, oh, there's no God and all this is, you know, all is lost. You know, just throw your hands up in the air. All is lost, you know. But, um, you know, we just need to relax and go, okay, Lord, your goodness is everywhere. Everywhere I look. You know, the beauty of the trees, the sky, everything. He's there. It's his goodness. And then on verse 14, it says, wait patiently for the Lord. I hate being patient. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Patience. Are you kidding me? You know, um, what is that uh, phrase? Lord, give me patience now. You know, that's the way I am. Lord, I need patience now. But, James 1, 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith. Produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. So how do trials produce patience? When you don't. You don't sweat the small stuff. So Jeff and I. We completely. I mean at one time. We had a lot of money. And we lost absolutely everything. I mean we went from millionaires, to we had $20 in the bank, and we were eating macaroni and cheese. Okay. So when you've been to that place, when you've been to that place, it's like, okay, so somebody stole our truck, lost everything before, we can do it again. You know, we know that where we are today, God has restored everything. It was just, he was just trying to get our attention, saying, okay, you guys, you're a way off. You know, I'm going to have to take everything away from you so that you have to start from ground one. Square one, excuse me, square one, and uh, and then then we were able to rebuild our lives in his way, in a godly way. So when you have been to that point where you have twenty dollars in the bank and you're eating macaroni and cheese, we had tortillas too, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to you know. So when somebody steals the truck out of your driveway, you just kind of go, okay, you know what? I guess they needed a truck. You know, we know we've lost everything before. We could do it again if that's what God wants because I know He restored, we still survived. We lived through it. So, you know what? It just gives you patience. Whatever, Lord, you want to do, we'll just wait and see. It's kind of exciting what's going to happen. You know, little did we know that, you know, the next day it'd be found. You know, missing its stereo, but it, you know, it was still, it was found. And his Bible was still in there. That's really cool stuff. And so it's just being patient and allowing those trials work through and say, okay, whatever's going on. I can honestly say, of all the bad things that have happened, you know, in my life, I would go through them again because I know the result. The result was I was, you know, in the center of God's will now, whereas before I was not. I was way off in left field, you know. I was outside the fortress, and I was getting beat up by the army, you know. So um, it's important that we focus, you know, on uh, him during those trials, and knowing that, yes, those things do work together for good, because God loves me, and he has a great plan for my life. You know, he's not hes not capricious, and he's not just saying, You know, oh, I think I am kind of having a bad day. I'm going to make her life miserable. You know, no, he doesn't do that. You know, he, he, everything is being orchestrated perfectly. He can do that. He's that smart. It's hard for us to comprehend it because we're not very smart, but he is. He's got it all arranged. So, you know, remember, he's got all of us to deal with. Even if it was just the ladies in this room, it would be complicated. He's got everybody in the world. And so, you know, we just have to be patient, saying, you know what, whatever he's doing, I'm okay with it. Because I know that he's got my best interest in, in mind. And so, keep your focus on him. Don't let the world beat you up. First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, through 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may... Be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, when we have gone through a trial and we have uh, come through it victoriously, what an encouragement to those that are going through it at the same time. You know, just saying, you know what, I have been there. I know what that's like. You know, recently I went through the stomach flu and then Jeff got it. And it's like, you know what, you'll survive I know. I survived. There was a time when it says, Lord, didn't let me die. But, you know, <laughs> you know, and then so, and then I, well, what happened is it just went through, you know, then Austin got it. And it's like, you know what, Austin, been through it. You know, it was that part was short lived, you know, and I was able to say, you will get through it. You won't die because I didn't die, you know, and then Jeff got it. It's like, you know what? You'll get through it. You won't die. I didn't die. You know, so like, <laughs> So, you know what, that's, yeah, that's kind of a, a simplistic way of putting it, but, you know, all the trials that we go through, all the trials that we go through, if we come out of it victoriously, if we let God work through it and be patient through the trial, we we come out of it much better off than we were. And then we're able to encourage those going through the trial. And so just always keep that in mind. What a glorious way to be used. And you'll find it's like, wow. That really, I'm really blessed that I was able to help them through that. It is a real blessing to do that. To know that you're being used of the Lord, you know, and having that confidence that he wants to use you, oh, there's nothing better. It's a great blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you are so good to us and so wonderful. We are truly and forever grateful of your kindness and your comfort that you give to us, Lord. Lord, we just want to ask that we stay within that fortress that you have built around us, Lord, to stay in your center of your will so that we can have close communion with you, Lord. So no matter what storms come, whatever may be us, Lord, that we'll know that you are working in the background for everything, Lord, to, to work out for good. And so we thank you and we praise you. We ask that as we break up in our groups, Lord, that we're able to discover even further truth, Lord, in this wonderful, wonderful psalm. And so we just give you this time as ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, I went a little bit over.